0: I'm here with Mike Stoker. Mike Stoker is the president of Superval Ammunition and the Atlas Gunworks Protein Captain. He is a single stack Grandmaster, and he says for now, a limited master. I know that's gonna be improved upon. (laughs) How are you today?
1: Doing good, how are you? Thanks for having me.
0: I'm good, excited to be here. Your ammo is superior quality. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about you. Um, You know, I know, didn't you change your Instagram handle name, by the way?
1: I did. did. <laughs> it was it was it was uh, bullets and beards for like yep. the longest time, and then I got tired of being shadow banned. You can't have the word bullets in your name. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of my business relations, and it became a headache. And I finally just said, okay, I'm just gonna go with my actual name. Mike <laughs> Stoker was taken. My middle name's Derek, so that's why it's Mike D Stoker. Okay. Not mic'd, like I shoot a lot of
0: mics.
1: <laughs> That's what people are like, oh, mic'd. No, it's mic'd. More efficient, I
0: guess. Because so. I remember you as bullets and beards
1: when I was following you way back in the
0: day. I was like, hmm.
1: Well, I just switched overnight. I didn't say anything to anybody. I'm surprised if someone hasn't taken the account bullets and beards, but go ahead and have it. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, so so how did you begin in, in competitive shooting? Like, What was the year and why did you jump in?
1: I started in 2018. Um, I have always been around guns. Uh, guns have always been my business. Um, I've owned gun shops and retail stores and I don't know, weapons, firearms training business. So I've always been around guns. I've al- I just never gotten a competition. I wanted to at a much younger age, but I was just too busy running businesses. And I regret that. Um, it wasn't until I had my businesses stable to where I had a little bit more freedom of time and a close friend. Uh, got me into it. The first, the first competition I actually shot was three gun. So that's where I started was in three gun. (laughs) It's a horrible sport. I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, So I started in three gun in 2018. And then um, I was borrowing gear, shotgun rifles, borrowing everything. And it was a good test. That's a great thing about the community is people loan me the stuff to try it. And I love three gun. Um, But at that time it was just too spread out for my focus. And I'm very like, single track minded. So that's why I also tried USPSA. So middle of 2018 is when I really focused on like USPSA and I started shooting it. I think I initially like came in classified as like C class and I just from there kind of worked my way up and trial and error in a couple different divisions. But that's kind of the beginning and multi-competitive played sports my whole life um, from basketball to football to professional fighting. So I've always been extremely competitive and that's that filled that gap for me. And I haven't looked back. That's it's my main distraction. It's supposed to be, but
0: have you ever actually, you know, like touched a polymer gun or is that just no go? Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. I was a peasant at one point. Um, you no, know, back, back in, uh, 2018 when I started, I started with the Glock 17 and I actually started in carry optics. So I had a, um, a 17 milled and, had an optic put on it and i the reason i left carry optics i wish i would have stayed but the reason i left is because i kept breaking optics so i think i broke like four of them i got frustrated as a new competitor and the other guys were like hey just run your iron sights and shoot limited so i I shot limited um with my glock for a couple months i was the tactical timmy with like the battle belt running around drop leg pretty cool um
0: I need. I have pictures. a soft spot.
1: <laughs> I have a soft spot for those guys, especially with the new rule changes. Everyone's talking on them. That was me. Um, and then the 2011 thing came along. I was shooting a local match, and at this point, because when I get hooked, I'm a very addictive personality. I just go after stuff. Yep. So I would shoot two to three matches a week. My first year in competing, I shot like 60 level one matches in my first year, just nonstop. Um. Uh, buddy had a 2011 and he was we'd finished shooting he's like hey try this i never shot one yep and i i like filled the gun i was like "This is cool and i shoot a stage and i just like burn it down way better than i could do with the glock and i was like this is meant to be um (laughs) when you're a child with money you buy things so i i spent i dropped like five grand that night and ordered one it wasn't (laughs) it wasn't an atlas though not yet but okay that was my first into a 2011 I didn't know what I was doing. I was shooting limited and I bought a limited minor gun. I bought a nine mil gun.
0: I mean, but that's what was, mine is.
1: <laughs> I was still new to the sport and I didn't know major. I didn't really know anything about it. And it, it was 2018, a couple of years ago, but that was kind of what got me into limited. Um, yeah. And I spent, so with the 2011, I spent probably, I don't know exact number of months hopefully no one fact checks me with other podcasts, but it was six <laughs> or seven months, I would say. And I realized, and I, I was like, if you're into the class thing, I was still C class. Um, and I got to the point where I just got bored with it. Yeah. And that's what pushed me into, um, pushed me into single stack. And I, I had one individual tell me this and I don't talk about this too much, but JJ's a close friend and he pretty much was like, Hey man, you can move really good, but you suck at shooting. Like that was the conversation. Like, hey, you need to focus on like learning how to shoot better. So I took it upon myself of a bit of a masochist and I like the the horrible stuff in life. So I single stack painful division and I purely went into it to learn the fundamentals of shooting because in single stack you have to be perfect on manipulation, gun handling, and shooting because <laughs> Yeah, nice. reload. <laughs> yeah. and I single stack major, so eight rounds, right? Yeah. So everything, every match, you have to learn to execute mental execution. It teaches a lot on the mental side, and um, skill set based. So I made myself stay in there until I made grandmaster. So I went from sing from C class to GM. I have to look at the exact months, but it's about thirteen months. I want to say oh, fast. nine to thirty, about a year. Somewhere in there, about a year. Um, I could have made it a lot sooner, but I don't like the classification system, and I didn't shoot classifiers intentionally. And I went to a super classifier to get my L10 classification to shoot nationals. And buddy's like, hey, you might as well shoot your single stack. So joking around, having fun, I shoot my single stack and shot 400% and made GM. I'm like, well, crap, I didn't mean to do that. (laughs) So it kind of just happened. And that's usually how things go. I think that's Um, a better
0: way to move up though. I, I like to get in the match bump because like you said, like I I shot that all classifier match just to go get classified L10. They're not fun. It's miserable. None of them go right. And it's, there's no movement for the most part.
1: Yeah. Going there to joke around is probably why my (laughs) performance, I did what I did. Um, but that happened. And then I, I planned that was in 2020, the start of 2020. And I planned to shoot single stack nationals my whole point for shooting single stack was to go back to limited or open okay i literally spent two years shooting single stack to prep for the long game of a different division because there's a whole. and i fulfill that i feel that i accomplished that i was initially planning to shoot low cap nationals which was supposed to be the end of april Mm -hmm. and then switch to limited for high cap nationals in october well because of covid everything got pushed back. So I ended up actually staying in single stack all the way through to September where I go shoot nationals and get DQ'd. <laughs> so after that DQ, I was like, well, that, I guess that means we're done here. <laughs> the um, end of let, that. <laughs> let me put these in the safe and get my limited guns out. So since, since um, I took not really a little break but I kind of messed around and I didn't start taking limited serious till like November. I was shooting a gun that I typically wouldn't compete with. I had a a nemesis, the real OG one, which for me didn't fit my style of shooting an aggressive grip. It's an amazing gun, but I'm more so on like the Titan and what's landing me into the Artemis. Once I got my new guns, I've been really hitting it hard um, over the last couple of months and limited. So we're working on that.
0: And you, okay, 2018 in three years, you've, Gotten on the Atlas Pro team and found Atlas. I mean, I'm fairly new to 2011 too Right, you find the 2011, you're like, crap. What have I been shooting for so long? <laughs> now I can never go back to like you said, peasantry. I mean, how did that happen so fast for you to move into yeah sponsorship
1: and shooting on teams and and whatnot? So a little more on my background. Um, there's two within sponsorship when shooters look at it, understands business, and for me. I've talked a little bit like I'm a businessman. That's what I do for a living. I'm an entrepreneur. My job is to take companies from zero to a million or to save companies. It's what I do daily. Um, It's just my business. A lot of that is purely marketing based social reach. And so that's what I'm really good at. Uh, So, I mean, I had a full ammo sponsor before I shot a single competition. Right. And that's, that has nothing to do with, it wasn't Superville is a different one. That has nothing to do with my shooting ability. It has everything to do with my reach, my marketability and my sales. Yeah. Um, so there's two different types of sponsored shooters. There's competitors, they're performance based. And then there's like influencer, which are more sales based or personal appearance based. We can think of guys and gals on shooting teams that they might, there's some that are the top level shooter that go and win matches. And there's some that go out and they're a great personality, great ambassador, yeah. which is perfectly fine. Oh. companies need both of those. So that's how I started with like sponsorship stuff. Rarely do you have, with the exception of Max Michelle, JJ Ricasa, Shane Coley, there's a couple people out there that do both very well. Yeah, And that's really my goal is I know that I'm very good at what I do for a living. That's how I make the living I do. But I also want to back it up with my shooting. Um, so my initial we'll say Atlas as a, as a sponsor. Um, they actually approached me, the person who's in charge of marketing then currently is not. And that was in 2019.
0: Okay, so my
1: first, yeah, my first full season, I'd been shooting about six or seven months in 2018. I got into 2019 and I was approached. And at that point I was just an ambassador. Mm-hmm. Um, within most sponsorship, there's tiers from affiliate, ambassador, sponsored shooter, pro team. So there's stepping stones. So I started at the bottom just as everybody should. And I let my first year of work prove my worth, which led me into 2020, which put me as a sponsored shooter. I continued to do the work, show my worth. But for me, it's different being that it's on the sales side and the performance side, because right. if I can win matches and I can sell product and promote and be a good spokesperson for a company. And that's really what 2020 landed me, being asked to be the team captain and then also putting me on the pro team. Um, it's, it's not just the shooting side. I feel like my shooting is not on, we have guys on the team that are above me on skill set. Will I get there? Yes. Um, but it's also leadership and there's a lot that goes on to it. So that's kind of my journey into Atlas and where I've come from that a lot of stuff just happens on a whim. They're an amazing company. I would shoot Atlas, even if I wasn't sponsored by them. Yeah. Um, I own seven. I just got another one. I own seven of them. So (laughs) so I'm like, and the the funny thing is like with, with me, with guns. And I was like, man, you just get free guns all the time. And people have their hobbies. People have their things. I buy most of my guns. I've, I earn, I either earn or buy my guns. Mm -hmm. Um, but I love the product. And that's what we want. Whether I sponsor someone or a company sponsors me is someone who truly loves the product and the people that are there. And I do. So that's, that's why I'm with them for my third year.
0: So did you buy another backup gun or is this not going to be the actual primary gun?
1: <laughs> no, I, I, I don't even know if I'll shoot it. I bought, so I bought the, uh, it was a hard. It was a hard chrome titan. It was a two tone hard chrome titan. It's super sexy. So if you notice, all my guns are black DLC. They're all tools. So out of the seven guns I have, I have a nine mil. That's a carry gun. It's a custom aluminum frame, one off custom carry gun. There's only like me and the owner of the company that have that gun. And then I, all the other ones are all DLC black. They're all forty, and they're either single stacks or limited guns, and they all have like eighty thousand rounds each. They're <laughs> it's a, it's a tool to yep. me. Um, But I only have two hands and that's a problem so later this gun was really I needed one more so for Ipsic. so with the Artemis the Artemis came out I had shot the Nemesis the Nemesis is an amazing gun but I'm used to shooting a single stack Titan which recoil impulse is different and I was bouncing divisions wanted something to feel similar as possible and with how aggressive I gripped the gun the nemesis would dive a little bit for me 99 of shooters don't have that problem at all and they love it for me it just wasn't there so when you think of the three options for limited from the nemesis is a light to medium grip the artemis is going to be a medium to strong grip the titan requires a little bit of a stronger grip because it's not a sight block gun mm-hmm. so the artemis was being released it was released as an ipsic legal gun well I love, if you think I love USPSA, I love Ipsic even more. So IPSC is much more my flavor of shooting, the style of shooting I like. I travel three to four hours, at least once a month to shoot an Ipsic match in Cali. I shoot probably more IPSC than USPSA. Um, my plans COVID allowed was to do a lot of international travel and c- competition as well. Yeah. So I need an IPSC legal standard division or limited gun. Right. Artemis was that. After the Artemis gets released, like a month later, IPSC changes the rules. <laughs> So I have two Artemises. I have my primary and my backup. Mm-hmm. Um, now, will they become ipsic legal? There's some things we have to change, but I can't rely on that. Yeah. And I have Ipsic nationals. I have Pan American. I have some foreign matches. I'm probably hopefully going to compete in this year into next early next season. Cool. So that's why I bought the Titan is the Titan is hundred percent ipsic legal. And yeah, no if question. not, yeah, it's, it's kind of one of those things where the Artemis is like, it's a weird gray area. Um, Probably nine out of ten matches, they're not going to question it. sure It's not a problem. But I don't want to, I don't want to put myself in that situation, especially if I'm traveling overseas.
0: No, no, so, true competitor, whatever. Yeah, be like, what if? Maybe.
1: Yeah. No yeah. <laughs> so, and the other thing is, like, I don't own a Titan. I own this. I own two of the single stacks, but I didn't have a Titan Limited. Mm-hmm. So, I'm like, okay, I want one of those. I'm going to go ahead and get one. So. <laughs> It's beautiful and I'm scared to shoot it because I don't want to scratch it. I but eventually know. I'm gonna have to get it dialed in before now. It's national. just
0: like it's just like my truck. When I got the first scratch, I was like, well, fuck.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah <it's> that's <laughs> yeah, get it, get it over with. Everyone's like, just go ahead and drop that thing.
0: I have steel Throw target on paint ground. on my atlas on the top. I'm like, it's gonna live there. <laughs> yeah.
1: But no, it's just it's a s they're sweet guns. So that's I'm kind of that's my um I spend money on guns and dogs and <laughs> weird stuff, so that's kind of my thing. But
0: I love it. I love it. Okay, so looking back, I mean, three years—not even three years—but even looking back as a kid or growing up, did you ever expect to be where you are right now?
1: No, not at all. When I, when growing up, um, I'm number five of six kids, and all my siblings were all athletes in the sports. And so, as a child, uh, my dad was a collegiate basketball player my older siblings were, so that's me. I was like, Hey, I'm going to the NBA. Like I legitimately, from the time I could walk Mm -hmm. was into sports. I mean, my father's six, seven, I'm one of the, I'm six, three, and I'm short in my family. (laughs) My sisters are both like six, one. So I, um, that was my, my dream was basketball. But at the same point, my family's very big on education. So my father is a dentist. My one of my brothers is a dentist, like everyone is extremely educated. I'm the redneck who didn't get a college degree.
0: The redneck, um, wait, where are you from?
1: I'm from Vegas. I can't say redneck, oh yeah,
0: redneck in <laughs> Vegas. Okay, keep going. Yeah, I know. Right. We don't
1: exist. So I don't know what you'd call me though, but okay. yeah. So, so I, um, my educational side of once I, when I was 15, I broke my back at 15 years old, um, and ended up in a body cast, and it pretty much messed me up through high school with basketball and kind of put my hopes of doing anything basketball. So I actually planned on becoming a doctor. I wanted to be a doctor, a DO, doctor of osteopathic medicine. So my focus in school was, hey, I'm going to go become a doctor. Um, I had no idea that I would be doing what I'm doing now. Uh, What really got me in the gun industry is I, I, um, I've always been into big into hunting, big game hunting, archery is my thing. I just drew a bull elk archery tag. So I love archery hunting. Um, I love hunting in general. It's like one of my biggest passions. So I've always been around guns. My father didn't allow us to shoot handguns. I never shot a handgun until I was 21. That's so cool, I, though. Like bow hunting is, yeah, that's cool. Oh, bow hunting is my thing. Bow hunting and a lot of long range rifles. So if okay. I showed you like all my gun safes, they're as much as I have with handguns, majority of my safes are full of long range rifles okay. um, and hunting shotguns and because that's it's hunting. So <laughs> Yeah, I I at 21 I was like, "Hey, I want to I'm going to get a gun. I'm going to get a handgun, get my CCW permit." And so that's when I got in handguns and I was intrigued and then the ball just started rolling. I went through a lot of different careers. I I've, I've been a business person and I've kind of just like I kind of did a rebellion thing of like, "Hey, I'm not going to go to school and become a doctor. Like, I'm going to I'm going to go do my own thing and go ad, against the grain." And where I am now, if you asked me 2 years ago, I would have it I don't plan. I plan life, but I live life very much on a whim. I'm ultra planned in my daily, yeah. but I try to be spontaneous and go by feel and take life as it comes to decisions. It's weird yep. things it I shouldn't care about. So. Yeah, things I shouldn't care about, I over care about, and big <laughs> life decisions drive people insane. Drive my parents insane. They're like, "How can you just like?" I was work. I worked with Google. I mean, before I came into Super Bowl. I was the top of a very 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 big 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 company making a lot of money and i just said one day i was like all right bye and walked away from full benefits pension years of work put in i'm like yeah i don't want to do this anymore see you later yep so i kind of do my own thing i guess beat to my own drum and i'm sure if you ask me in five years i might be doing (laughs) something completely different but that's kind of how i live my life it's all business and entrepreneur related though so no matter what, I'm always like self-employed or self-managing in some sense.
0: I did a similar thing. I I got sick of corporate. Um, Yeah. And I was at a nice job at a university. Health insurance was like nothing, retirement, all of that. Right. I probably like 25 days off. And one day i was just like, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I quit. But I'd always had a side hustle and, you know, grew into yeah. full time. Now I'm like, I'm scared. So that's why I work so damn hard and have so many different sources of income because I can't go back.
1: I will never go back. Once you you get out, see, I've dipped out (laughs) and dipped in a couple of times. I mean, I have a wife and kids, but I've always, I started my first business at 18. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I would get really good at business and I would be able to hundred percent do that. And something would happen. And the issues that a lot of them were out of my control, unfortunately most of them I had no control over, which forced me back into corporate uh, working for someone else. But any chance I got, I always had a side hustle and any chance I got to get out of that I did. And now I think at, at 29, I'm 31 now. So at 29, 30 was, last it was March is March twenty twenty was the last one where I was like, all right, I think I'm got my side hustle, my other stuff going to where I was making more money doing that than I was working for a big corporate giant. And I'm like, okay, I don't need to do both. Yeah. But I'm going to. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna step out and go over here and I'm not going back. Like I will it'll be the death of me before I go back to working for yeah someone else in that capacity. Absolutely. My clients technically I work for them but I control what I do, right? So I'm able to do a podcast at 2 p.m. Isn't that wonderful? I'm my own boss. It's amazing.
0: (laughs) I know. I had a dentist appointment this morning. They're like, how can you be here in the middle of the day? And I'm like, they're like, what do you do for work? And I was like, I don't have time to explain all of the things, but I'll try.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I typically that's, I get that asked a lot. People are intrigued, oddly intrigued by me and what I do. And I think a lot of it is, is they Either grow up because I'm born and raised here and I've never left. And so people remember me in school and then they look at like my family members and they look at me and they're like, What happened? (laughs) What is this? But then they'll see me doing, I don't do too much lavish things in life. But usually that starts the question, they're like, How can you afford that car or that truck? Or how can you? And people are openly ask, or how do you get to do whatever you want whenever you want? And so that typically is. The question: What do you do for a living? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> how, do I, how do I explain what I do? Yeah, it's like my job Yeah. Well, the default answer that I've decided just to give people is: it's not a toot, but it's a, exactly like like my job and my my path is the way I make my money is I make a lot of people a lot more money. Like mm-hmm. that's the simplest thing. It's like. It's business consulting. Like that's my main gig is I'm a consultant or business solutions. I provide solutions to failing or startup businesses, whether it's their marketing, their media, their HR, their hiring, firing their operations from start to finish. And the beauty of it is I pick my clients. So Superville Ammunition, um, I won't name all of them, but it allows me to pattern my clients based off my interests. So when people are like, you can build a dream job is like i never go to work because i get to do what i love absolutely um yeah just got to go for it but <laughs> so cool <laughs> i'll never go back
0: no i know and i mean Too something you touched on that i liked um earlier is like you might not have an end goal or or you might you know have a goal and you're not going to take it slice by slice you, every day is a daily habit and that compound effect over time would change your life. Like I was talking to someone recently of, exactly. Hey, if you start a blog today, you might not get paid for it for six months, eight months, a year, whatever. But I promise you when it hits and it you know takes off or whatever that happens, it'll be worth all of that. Um, it's amazing to watch.
1: 100%. Everyone nowadays looks for, especially like our millennial generation. It's like the short course. They don't realize like most successful people, it's not about the brightest idea or the smartest person. I'm going to attest to that. Like. <laughs> It's not about intel. It's literally about the person that shows up and does it over and over and over and doesn't quit doing it. And it and it actually turns in this. I had a social media discussion with my wife about, about this last night, about time and social media and presence. And is it healthy to constantly be on social? And, and as much as I, I manage eight different social media accounts yep. daily, all day long. My my this is my my job and it's got like so many notifications and I hate it I hate that side of it but and my thing to her we're talking about like my personal social media and everything I do on there and what I have going on and is it worth my mental health and my biggest thing is I can truly say that as a tool I would not be doing what I'm doing now if it wasn't for that tool yeah I wouldn't have the connections I have. It's a, it's a marketing, it's a media tool. It's a connecting. That's how you and I connected. Yeah. That's necessary how evil. Are, yeah. yeah. That's how doors are opened. And so as much as I just like, Oh, I don't like it. it it's, it's a necessary, definitely necessary evil. Um, yeah. But sometimes you got to do those things, I guess. <laughs>
0: but it is good to, I mean, I tried to post and stay off. Right. Or I actually turn the notifications off for some of them, but um, you can see like the time screen report or whatever, weekly and daily. So you can kind of know, like people will look at me like, I spent how long on social media? I'm like, yeah, those little hours, they add up.
1: <laughs> my justification for anything I do in life and social media, and this is, this might, I've had people tell me this is unhealthy, but the way my mind works is I I can put a value on every aspect of my life. And when I first started doing this, it really hurt relationship because when you put a value on a minute, so I can tell you how much a podcast costs me. Right. I can tell you how much using the bathroom, like how much my value of time is worth and yeah. how much it costs. That's how I evaluate my customers. That's how I evaluate, evaluate everything is what is my value of time on social media. Um, a lot of people spend dead time and they're wasting time that could be spent. Making money or making connections or growing relationships or mending relationships—it's just dead time scrolling TikTok scrolling, and that's yep. a waste of time and waste of energy. So that is my justification because there's times where I look at my thing and I'll have spent over twelve hours in a day on my on that. But it's like business, like yep. occasional memes, and I'll share some memes. But majority <laughs> of the time is like when I look at, it, I'm like, okay, this is a necessary tool, but it's a very hard separation to not get sidetracked you know pulled off because i'm on here for business and then oh look at this over here and all (laughs) of a sudden i'm I'm looking at pistols or i'm looking at something so i it's it's a tough structure but it's how i make my living so it's it has to be it has to be balanced i guess yeah
0: Yeah, i had tiktok for uh like two days and then that that was deleted
1: (laughs) i use tiktok for like tiktok is my like entertainment Mm -hmm. just purely because some of the stuff on there is so hilarious
0: so funny and people
1: send me messages and it like brightens my day because it's just i don't take tiktok serious i'll post stuff but i know it's not going anywhere but it's purely based <laughs> off of just funny and i try not to sit there and scroll for hours i typically don't have that problem on tiktok but yeah yeah <laughs> it is like it's it's an addictive tool all of them are addictive tools and my job is to make it an addictive <laughs> tool and that's what people Mother. understand is yeah yeah, for companies, like I have to build the addiction side of product promotion and exposure. So I understand it. I just try not to fall victim of
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like, that's catch 22. Okay. Speaking of funny, you've got to talk about it. So for those of you who do not follow you on social media, your days are never the same. I have probably watched all of your videos on what ammo packages you receive, what primers, and I am literally giggling out loud. People look at me strange when I'm. <laughs> watching your videos so tell me what's your day-to-day at SuperVal like and what's the dumbest stuff I, uh, you've seen
1: I don't I don't and I should post more of it like don't the, <laughs> the times when I'm posting that stuff is because I'm like caught up and we're slow not slow yeah. but my yeah. schedules I'm on top of my schedule um <laughs> I get we get some weird stuff I constantly and it's what makes life fun is like every day is something new yep. um <laughs> here at Superville I mean the biggest thing like I'm right now I need to hire like five employees and so I'm going through interviews I've been interviewing people all day and I literally look like I look for certain attributes and individuals fortunately for me for my career I've hired hundreds of people so I'm very good at interviewing and knowing what's going to gel so if you ever come in if you're in Vegas and you come into the shop um our our atmosphere is it's a joke like it's it's very it's fun Everybody, I look for certain attributes in employing, but I want to make sure that we build a team atmosphere and that everybody gets along. But at, to that point, it's, it makes it feel like a party. When you put like veterans together, like that style, like we employ a lot of veterans. Um, and so the humor, like luckily I'm HR, I'm the president I'm HR HR because, nightmare. HR yeah. because the type, like how we employ and the, the type of atmosphere, it's a lot of fun. as long as the job still gets done. (laughs) So, but because of that, our day is just wild. I had a guy come in today for an interview and he dropped off an application like a week ago. And I wasn't, I was out of town at a match. Well, my employees, Mike's out of town, we'll do whatever. So one of the guys, he answers the door, he's wearing a full freedom onesie, like a onesie. One of my employees decides to come to work so he answers the door for a a potential new hire oh my god rings the doorbell he answers door what's up man he's like vet like tatted full freedom onesie what's going on (laughs) so that guy today i didn't know about this and when i when he comes in the interview he's like this is my place to work i'm like what he's like you guys are a party over here i'm like what are you i'm trying to be all serious I'm like what are you talking about he goes yeah i come to the door and this dude just wearing like a onesie with like no shoes on i'm like what (laughs) that's the workplace but so With that being that atmosphere, and it's a fun atmosphere. Um, our days are very interesting and I don't show most of the stuff on social media. Oh good though. The the big thing is like with our one of the programs we have with ammunition, the bring your own primer program, is customers are sending us in components. And I mean, I've had I had one guy send primers (laughs) in a bag of sand. Like he just filled a bag of sand and stuck his primers in a bag of sand and shipped me a bag of sand. Um, I had one dude send a like a turkey, um, like a turkey cooler. Like when you buy a turkey or a ham and it's in yeah. that foam cooler. That's foam. Yeah, yeah. so we get customers send us all the time, like gifts, like, thank you so much. And that means we're doing business right because we constantly get like, free food and gifts and all kinds <laughs> of swag and stuff. And so I was like, dude, someone sent me a honey ham. <laughs> like, was a, I was so excited. And I was disappointed to open it up. And they like took honey ham, like packaged it and it was primers. So I'm like, what the, like, <laughs> But that's kind of the norm is what people do and now i think because i put it on social is it's ramped up now people are just messing yeah, with me because
0: we need it I get, we need more
1: <laughs> i get just some weird the best one was and i, I kind of felt bad but a customer came in with a box of primers and he goes hey i have a thousand primers i want you to reload i was like all right cool you want nine mil what grain 115 124 147 i'm starting to talk like pricing like what are you looking for and he goes no no no, i want you to reload the primers like i know i'm gonna load it what grain do you want and he goes no no no, i want you to reload the primers and i stopped and i'm like wait what <laughs> and this this gentleman I was like is this a joke i was trying not to be a, an asshole but i was like is this a joke and i grabbed the primers and he had taken his primers and not just in the box each sleeve he'd put mm-hmm. in all fired he's like these are these are once fired primers can they're cci can you reload these oh my god i was like who put you up to this I was like, but the, i felt bad because he was dead serious and i was, was like no kid. sir like it doesn't work like this oh my god that's gosh. not how this but it's like new gun owners they don't know any different. so yes. a lot of it I, because a lot of the people the gun industry there's so many new gun owners so the customer education is very vast And So we're constantly, I spend most, a lot of my day (laughs) on being patient with customers and explaining to customers what, what's possible, the stuff we see, the stuff we hear, the stuff that's sent in and, oh, why can't you just do this? I'm like, it doesn't work that way. So yeah, it makes it definitely entertaining. Anytime packages come in, I get excited. I personally, I open them all. Like I don't, I shut my office and I open them up because I'm like, let's see what's in here. And I get my phone out because some of the stuff that comes in is is wild
0: it's crazy did you ever eat a pizza slice
1: no and i didn't i tried to slap him with pizza and i couldn't find him he went hiding from me <laughs> he left me that note i i took that pizza with him. i was gonna bitch slap him with a pizza and I couldn't <laughs> find him. he knew what was going on he like went to take the trash for half an hour but yeah that's love it part of that too so we all we all have a good time all within business ethics and yeah. It's 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 fun to work here if anyone's looking for a job. <laughs> need to yeah. hire a bunch of people. But.
0: I mean, but that's indicative too of the industry. You know, I tell people I'm like, uh, or like they, they'll they'll cuss the first time they meet me or whatever, just because it's a female, right? They're like, oh, sorry, ma'am. And I was like, first of all, never been accused of that. Second of all, do you think I would be here if I couldn't handle it? Yeah. I would have quit day one.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think the funniest story, if you if you want to hear a funny oh, I story. So so Within our facility, we have a pressure testing system. We're actually, that's partly why I have these on, because you'll hear gunshots throughout the day. So all the ammunition we manufacture, we batch and lot pressure tests. So basically a pressure tester, it can tell you the pressure within side the case when the gun goes off. It's an okay. extremely expensive technical ballistic computer. That's how we put quality out to maintain Sammy spec from standard spec to plus P. Right. And we don't want to blow up guns, so we want quality. That being said, there's gunshots in our shop, goes off quite regularly. Um, I also have a bunch of immature employees on the second half of the shop on the processing. So the pressure testings and the loading, the processing side of brass processing, a bunch of jack wagons and (laughs) the front of house where we allow, we're a manufacturing facility, but we allow customers once ordered online to come and pick up from store when it's ready. Well, I'm up front, and you're hearing bang, bang, doorbell rings, let the guy in, new customer, new gun owner. And he walks in and all of a sudden you hear boom, like a gunshot and a bunch of monkey noises. So my employees in the back think it's funny. They hear a gunshot and then they are going whoa, whoa, like crazy gorilla ape noises. Like there's a pack of apes in the back of the shop. And the guy just turns around. He's like, he just hears gunshots. The other employees like, yeah, we got this crazy monkey back there with an AK. Like running around, it's a shop monkey, and our shop monkey's out of control sometimes. And so then you hear another gunshot, boom, and then they go off and oh like monkey noises. And this customer is like, <laughs> like don't, like doesn't know what to say. He's believing it. I'm trying not to laugh, and I'm like, welcome to SuperVal. <laughs> we got pet shop monkeys, and they're back to guns. Uh, here's your ammo. Have a nice day. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of the it's just perfect timing. That's kind of the atmosphere. They've mastered the monkey noises. <laughs> And it's it's uh, never a dull moment, but that was probably the funniest like in person experience because of the individual's reaction of hearing a gunshot, freaking out like someone shooting, and then hearing crazy ape noises. It reminds me of the video. It's like a video like place in Africa, and they give the monkey the AK, and you start shooting. Mm. So I don't know if you've seen it, but it's pretty hilarious. And everyone's running, and there's a monkey monkey with an AK making monkey noises. So that's kind of why we all okay. okay. It's pretty funny. That is awesome. That was probably the best, the best moment. <laughs>
0: oh, too funny. Too funny. Well, okay. To bring us back around too, you mentioned right. um, levels of like ambassadors, affiliates, pro teams, whatever, but how have you seen like brand ambassadors help with Superbell?
1: They help a lot. Um, right now it's kind of a, with the ammo industry, the way it is, <laughs> um, we can't keep up with sales. We can't keep up with demand yeah. as it is. So the value of uh, good affiliates, good ambassadors, sponsored shooters, um, is very, it's very big. And on a couple of cases of either sales or brand recognition, if you have a, like a top level shooter at a match using our ammunition that puts a good stamp on, Hey, this is quality. Yeah. Um, same thing. If you have an individual that's really good at promoting and marketing and well-spoken that adds to brand credibility, plus it drives sales. Um, yeah. for me, I've, I wish like, I love that. I don't, that sounds bad. I don't love that COVID happened, but I, as a company COVID happening was, was good. Cause the ammo it's spiked, it drew a lot of attention to it. And initially, you know, we set up a lot of affiliates. We have quite a few sponsored shooters, but at the same point, it's like they can promote, 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 promote. But right now yeah, it, it really doesn't matter. Cause nothing can be kept in stock because anytime <laughs> yeah. anything's in stock, everything sells out. My biggest thing right now with affiliates, ambassadors and such is, is brand growth and really building. My goal is to build SuperVela as like a household name in the competition industry yeah. and in the defense. And that's our main two like target markets. So,
0: right. And you can we, see yeah. that on the the reports for USPSA nationals, you know, if your are ammo makes it into yeah. what you're using.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I really want to push, that's kind of a big goal and the use of sponsored shooters, affiliates sponsoring events, sponsoring matches, and really getting the brand out there um, is a big deal to me, but it all comes down to component availability and having the availability to manufacture to do that. A lot of that stuff is extra on top of the business. It's marketing expense. So we have to be able to keep the business growing. And then that's, if there's excess that goes into that. Yeah, And we do have that. Um, I'll do like a, like I did a pretty hard flex at, at Dragon's Cup because I took like thirty thousand rounds and gave them. I gave away thirty thousand rounds of nine mil. That's awesome. People are like, like what? Right, and that was only like two months ago. That's insane, right? It was a big deal with us and Atlas, and we had a demo bay. Plus, we provided all the ammo for the demo bay. Plus, majority of that staff was shooting Super Bowl, and that was the big thing. Is hey, we can't staff this match because they don't have ammo, and if they don't have ammo, they can't come shoot the match.
0: Hmm.
1: Okay, we're the title sponsor. I gave them all the ammo so all their staff could be there to shoot and they Still. could have the match. So to me, that goes a lot further, especially in the competition um, yeah. world, because we're, everyone's so close and yeah. everybody talks and everyone knows each other. So for us to do things like that and show that, no, we're really here for the competitor and for the people in the shooter. And we want to keep people shooting just like how we haven't gouged all our prices Right. is our plan is, we want people to remember, and we think they will. When things oh, calm 100%. down, that yeah. they're going to know, like, we Who put care amazing of them? <laughs> quality. Yeah, we're going to take care of them. Amazing quality, best customer service, yeah. and we're going to continue to grow it. So we have a lot of things coming um, to further in the competition once things come down. A lot of variants, in nine millimeter will be nine major, a lot more competition to really hit every division, every caliber on multiple uh, levels of variety for the competition shooter so that's
0: awesome things
1: things just need to become a little bit more available but we're working on it daily
0: yeah yeah but those things definitely are important even pre-covid times yeah it's, right now yeah. it's just we can't even <laughs> we can't even well, compare
1: <laughs> my my biggest thing and kind of my job i mean i'm the president of superville but remember S- superville initially brought me in as my business right. well, i ended up because we were able to take off becoming the president of the company but my initial intro within Superville was purely based on my, my own business, my own company, helping their company. Um, The whole, what I've learned in the gun industry, the years I've spent owning gun shops, owning trading businesses, and doing this with multiple companies is customer service is garbage in this industry. And what I've, the way I've had success and been able to help companies make success is it's not difficult to be nice. It's not difficult to treat people right and to do the right thing. And when you do that, you stand out a lot. Yeah. And so just be a good person and provide quality customer service and be there to answer the phone. Uh, all the time, people call here and I answer the phone and they're like, can I talk to who's in charge? I'm like speaking, I'm like what? You know, or I'll respond personally to the emails. It's the same thing like with Atlas. Adam's an amazing example of the same concept of like, You can call that shop and talk to the owner of the company.
0: Yep. And he's spot on on timelines every single time. It will be there on that day.
1: (laughs) Most companies don't have that. So just little subtle things like that in this industry. And I tell anyone who's in this industry, like, if you want to make a difference, because there's a hundred and thousands of instructors, there's thousands of ammo companies, there's, but they all do one thing completely wrong is they all have bad customer service. (laughs) They all over promise and under deliver. So like, Yeah. 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 If you can keep to your word, do what you're gonna say. When you mess up, admit to your mistake and make it right. I mean, we manufacture millions of rounds. Errors happen. I had one guy today, he's like, Hey, I got a I ordered a box of fifty. And this got emailed from my customer service guys up top to me. They're like, Hey, I ordered, you know, a box of fifty rounds and there was five bullets missing. Oof. Like, okay. How does that happen? Well, the tray packaging machine, the QC flip block, it's based on five rows in a tray, and the package machine slipped and they five didn't make it oh. into the box. It already gone through QC, everything. That's a simple error. When you ship millions of them, that one's going to happen. And All I right. want it to come to me so I can go talk to the employee who messed that up. So what do I do, especially right now in an ammo crisis, oh, sorry, you know, we're out of ammo. Here's a refund. No, I shipped him two boxes, put it in the mail, and shipped it out personally wrote a note well no other company is going to do that most companies aren't going to do that and customers enjoy that and now it's like building lifelong raving fans customers for life is my is my goal and a lot of time it's like if you make a mistake own up to it and make it right and so that's kind of how i want to do with everything that i do is because it's so rare in today's society usually People make it the customer's fault, and it's it's not. Yeah, um, just make it right is kind of my thing.
0: I like that. Yeah, you you definitely took care of me. Poor shipping. I bet five hundred rounds go stolen. And if you're watching oh, or listening, yeah. to this Mike put his own primers to ship me five hundred rounds. What? Yeah.
1: I've done that quite a few times. I so bet. <laughs> when COVID, um, when this all happened, like I'm, I shoot like a lot personally. Yep, and when this primer thing was starting to happen, I was like, oh, here we go again. Cause I owned a business in 2012 when Sandy Hook happened. And I was like, all right, time to stock up. And then I'm like, hopefully this lasts for two months, but I wasn't going to bet on that. So I just went out personally bought, I know primers were like twenty five dollars 30, 40. Once they hit like fifty dollars thousand, people freaked out and they're like, I'm not paying $50. I'm like, if you don't pay it today, it's going to be $200 tomorrow. Yeah. So I personally went and bought as much as I could buy. Um, I was like, for my own training and for emergency fund. And as a company, um, like right now, I don't use any of Super primers. I don't use any customer primers. All my employees, we all compete. We all use our own primers. That way, the primers can stay within the company to grow the business for the customers. Yeah. But UPS, FedEx love stealing packages and damaging packages yep i have a personal connection to all every single one of my customers they can call and talk to me you're one of them they're, whether they're a competition shooter or just an average joe Schmo, my goal is to make a connection with them. they're all the same yeah so it started happening where damages were like going through the roof with ups and like like your situation the package just mysteriously vanished yeah right <laughs> shipped to the correct address everything was done right it's insured everything's right well, the crappy part about it is like hey that's not like ammo right now that's more than just money because it's a commodity you can't find yeah so then i'm like okay here's my stash of primers so i'm like all right i'm just gonna have to cover it down cover it down cover it down make things right and i have a hard time because as a shooter <laughs> i look at that as like like i've had a couple times where customers ammo for like nationals or ammo for a major match and they're like hey I know this isn't your fault, but my ammo is just missing. Like it got stolen in transit lost. It's nobody's fault. Mm -hmm. But the unfortunate thing is now this person can't go and compete. Yeah. And I'm like, if I was that person, I would hope to be helped. So me, I'm like, okay, I'm not competing this weekend. Here's a thousand rounds.
0: Oh my gosh. Why do you do
1: that? Well, (laughs) to me, it's like that guy, just like with you, it goes back to building lifelong customers and relationships and I've done it More times, (laughs) my shooting, like my own primer stash, I can I can count for almost 60 60 times I've done that in the past. Oh my gosh! Just on, and that's sixty thousand primers. People, like that's a lot of money. But it, at some point, doesn't matter because what happens is when I show up to that match, and. I'm not good with faces, but I'm, I know names, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I get these emails and I deal with customers, I don't know what they look like or anything. I know their name. And there's been many times where I've been at a competition. I've had someone come up to me and be like, Hey, thanks so much, Mike. And I'm like, Aww. who are you? <laughs> like, Hey, I'm the one that I had this and this happen, and you took care of me. Thank you so much. So to me, like, that's all worth it. I'm like, this yeah. dude made the trip is shooting his match because I was able to make sure he had his ammo. Yeah. and that's now a lifelong customer. That's going to tell ten other people, and it's going to continue to grow. So, hundred percent. It's an easy. It's an easy decision on my part until I run out of primers. I was gonna say it's <laughs> still
0: so painful because I was telling people Emily and like y'all. They took care of five hundred freaking primers, and again, it's not about the money or the cost all. It's it's the fact that we can't find primers. Someone pulled from his own stash. That's insane. So thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I got a secret stash. I never tell him how much is in it, but. <laughs> I was like, I always take care care of the people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Being in the industry, what's like the coolest thing you've ever done?
1: Um, I don't know. I think you can make things (laughs) what you want them to be. Okay. It's like the dude that's cleaning a porta potty whistle and having fun. Right. (laughs) So, so I, I think I take because I'm so used to it, like the things I get to do daily or the things like the way I live my life, a lot of people are like amazed, but you get conditioned and it becomes normal. Yeah. Um, That's a tough one in the gun industry. I was, I spent about eight years instructing. So I did a lot of time instructing, meeting people, making connections, teaching. Um, That was a lot of fun. It kind of got burnt out on it though. After time, I don't instruct anymore. I still own the business, but it's not possible. Maybe I'll go back to instructing someday. Um, There's no ammo anyways. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't matter. We'll go dry fire. Um, (laughs) I would have to say like the best part about it, I can't say the coolest thing. You're going to shoot a lot of cool machine guns. Like that's cool. That's fun. Um, One of the like benefits to me that I enjoy the most is like low development and testing. Um, I'm super like nerdy in that side of it and wanting to develop new cartridges and test new stuff and do all the, pressure testing and then go out to the range and actually test different loads and new bullet profiles like that really intrigues the heck out of me because it's like new discovery stuff yeah Um, that's probably the most fun for me and then like the most rewarding thing for me and like this business and the ammo industry is just the customer base and getting to see our products used and getting to meet new people that use our products and know that like making a difference like that adds like makes it all uh, makes it makes it all worth it to yeah. me is is running into people that compete and being able to say hey man I've shot like fifty thousand rounds without a single malfunction that's a big deal to me or you know I pass chrono and I'm like thank you <laughs> like, I'm <laughs> like stuff like that it's that's what makes it all worth it so oh, cool you got to do a lot of cool stuff but it all becomes normal in that's time true. if you walk normal person walks into our shop like into a facility they're like oh wow this is so cool so amazing but when you do it daily it becomes yes. the normal i guess yeah
0: or like when people are like who do you know you've met them you've met them I'm like yeah i kind of see them like five times a year so it's like a small small community yeah. it's whatever
1: yeah <laughs> yeah that's the cool. i mean that's the best thing about one of the best things about our sport is you can like if you relate it to like football you know that would be like being able to go play a game with tom brady mm-hmm. you know basketball hey i can go shoot hoops with lebron james you know and USPSA or three gun, the top of our sport, you can just run into casually. You can see him at matches and new people into the sport get like awe shocked. My biggest one was JJ. Like JJ's always been since he was on like Top Shot and he's lo- he was local to me for so long. And I remember when I first met him, I was like like a nervous little boy. I'm like in my twenties and I ended up to the point where I was I would practice with them and we have a good friendship now. But in the beginning, that was like so Insane to me, and now I see other shooters are like, "Oh, you know this guy, or you know this guy." I'm like, "Well, yeah, you know, that's no big deal." But then I think back and I'm like, "Wait a minute." Yep. Three years, just two or three years ago, that was like a wet dream for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's amazing. Man. I can't wait. Now it's like, hey, that's normal life. But that's what makes it fun, though. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, okay, switching gears. Your favorite thing to talk about. Let's talk about your, your training regimen. So, you know, you're, you're crushing CrossFit, stepping up some goals for shooting. So you want to talk about the mental and the physical game?
1: Yeah. um, They're both a huge, a huge part. I physically like on the CrossFit note, um, I've always been into fitness. I've always been into um, sports and I've grown up in sports. And for me, I've had a lot of injuries, like too many injuries. (laughs) where it, it directly affects my ability to compete. Um, but I'm also an ultra competitive person. So my mind is doing one thing. My body's saying, no, you know, I'm only 30. But if I told you the list of things I've broken and torn and damaged, you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, I so CrossFit to me is a good, healthy outlet for my mindset. It, it keeps it fulfills that competitive drive. because It's extremely competitive within the gym um it it directly benefits the sport in my eyes the shooting sports if you look at like a lot of the, the top guys and we'll just say uspsa if you look at max if you look at jj if you look at eric Fell, if you look at max lee grandis if i name the top guys in the, the divisions most of them are in elite physical shape um so that was another reason for me to really lately start pushing more and more because I can directly correlate my mental health and mindset to fitness and my performance, the fitness, it's no fun to be in pain. And with how bad my back is, I, it makes competing hard for me when I can only go four stages. And then I'm, you see me taking ibuprofen, I'm laying on the ground stretching because my back is so bad being physically keeping my weight down and my strength up and certain things. Um, was fortunate to broke this sounds weird I just said that I was fortunate to break my back at 15 but being that I did that at a very young age I spent a lot of time in therapy and learning the techniques and stretching and mobility stuff to do to where now I know what I need to do to be okay it's just allowing the schedule to do that so I've I've made like dragon's cup was like the final straw for me (laughs) where I really switched my fitness and hey I need to take this up a notch and get my body in check or else I'm I'm not going to be able to compete. Yeah. Um, there's a huge part on that as far as the shooting goes and being physically healthy for me. And it just, it makes it a lot better and it helps with the mental side of things a lot. Um, and now I notice when I don't um, work out, like I have a really another bad shoulder, bad injury. And I flared it up last week. I had a major match this weekend so I spent last week not lifting and just doing like cardio and I noticed a drastic effect of like my mood and how I yep. felt going into the weekend and how my match was. And I'm like, what changed? Like what's, what's different. Okay. I've lost 30 pounds. I feel faster. I feel lighter, but my mind is, is not where it needs to be. So there's a lot of benefits to me that fitness has. I just have to play a very fine Walk a fine line of not doing too much and furthering injuries, mm-hmm. but doing enough to continue to excel to perform better. So,
0: so this weekend too, you wore jorts to a match. So, uh, or- yes, I did. <laughs> do you bring those or do you wear those to CrossFit? That way, you have training in the jorts.
1: Absolutely not. Those jorts were brand new. I oh. literally took them out of the package and like put them on. I think I did like an Instagram thing. Uh huh. About to do a front split, and then they just went in my packing for. <laughs> for the match i knew once i wore them i was like these are because they're super stretchy um so that's like another thing like with me i want like i'm performance i try to be as much performance driven as possible no matter what like i don't care what people say about how i look or what i'm wearing it's not an attention thing it's it's legitimately they could have been pink jorts they could it wouldn't matter if i find the best tool for the the job i'm going to do that and my I kept trying to find CrossFit shorts. because <laughs> CrossFit shorts—they're short, they're slit cut, and they're extremely flexible and breathable. And so I wear those all the time. But belt loops, gym, but yep. they don't have belt loops. Yeah. So I'm like, someone make these with belt loops. Yep. And then I come across jorts and I, you know how like social media—they like, they know what you're thinking because then an ad yes. pops up. So yeah. I was, ta- I was like, man, I, I need CrossFit shorts with belt loops. Where can it? They're be? listening. And then, yeah. and then boom. There's an ad for some jorts, and I'm like, done, ordered.
0: So the internet sale worked?
1: Oh, dude, I, well, and so Born Primitive, they're a great company. I use a lot of their stuff for CrossFit as it is. Yeah. Apparel, and the wife does. So I was like, okay, these are amazing. They make amazing products. So I ordered black denim and blue denim traditional. Oh, black. I'm about to order a bunch more. (laughs) And I wore them to the match, and I, on this weekend, and people were like, looking at me. Some people said stuff that know me. They're like, all right, (laughs) I got the massive like tan lines. Oh yeah, no one. I, don't, I don't care. I'm like, watch me hit a low port though. You're there you go. When I hit this, I'm 6'3. I mean, Everything, everything's a low port to me, so I got to get low. That's
0: true. I mean, I bought five eleven uh, guy shorts, shot in those at, at low cap, and they're super lightweight and comfortable. I don't care. I look like a dude, but yeah. it was the first time that I could breathe, I could move, and they have the reinforced belt loops because it's five eleven, and they don't yeah. make girl shorts that way.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Or with pockets. No, that's- <laughs>
1: That makes a big difference i actually like sent an email to or a text to morgan like with atlas and i was like hey uh just so you know i'm about to wear these jorts and there's going to be some publicity or is this a violation of like code of conduct or dress code right <laughs> like, i don't want to be out there they're like we don't care what you do wear whatever you're gonna wear That's but awesome. to me it's like oh they're comfortable they're breathable Laugh at me out uh, whatever just be jealous i them
0: entertaining oh my gosh
1: (laughs) sweet jorts like i do and they match my jersey i have a day two and day that's why i got different colors gotta match
0: oh jesus christ i mean i did do the same thing i got a green for the hunters and a black for the other yeah yeah Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) gotta look good i mean it's not all about shooting good half the battle is looking good (laughs) That's what I say. I'm the
0: cutest one here. Um, okay, back on track. <laughs> so the the mental game to you, I've been impressed with that as well. Because um, I do remember meeting you at Nationals 2019. I was so excited. This little RO, was so naive. And I'm like, dude, I follow you on social media. Like, you're awesome. And like, I think you would shit the bed a little bit on the stage. You were pissed. And you were just like, I'm
1: sorry about that. And
0: then just like took off. I was like, not happy right now.
1: Yeah. No, I think when I first met, yeah. Are you sure you talked to me before I shot the stage? I'm pretty sure. or Maybe after.
0: I feel like it was it a- said something. I remember a mic and I remember you were pissed.
1: Yeah. 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 No, I remember the stage. Trust me. And I remember the target and the shooting order. Because I don't think I talked to
0: you before because I know shooters are in that mindset that yeah. I bother them. Yeah.
1: Well, so I didn't. The reason I said I'm sorry because you're like, I follow you on social media and I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry, you follow me. Like, I hope I haven't done anything to embarrass you. And that's usually my response for like, Hey, I follow you. Like, Oh, I'm sorry. Like, whoops. Oh. <laughs> sorry. Or I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. I let you down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, you did awesome. But I mean, for you, right. You're, you're tough on yourself. You've got a mental game. You know you did wrong. And so in yeah. 2019, I mean, think about where you're now. So that was my
1: first, that was my first nationals. actually. Yeah. yeah. And that was, the stage that I was most looking forward to so if I was upset it was more of a personal letdown because that stage had a lot of movement a lateral movement and then a cross movement and the target I shot the mic on was the closest target yep. in the whole entire thing and it was on a hard sprint entry and I'm glad I shot that mic because me shooting that mic and you probably didn't see me go right at my performance journal but mm-hmm. that now became a training thing because <laughs> of that mic because I awesome. I exposed that and I was like on a full sprint into a target at five yards and too much aggressive movement. And I fired not on the float, but on the plant and yep. caused the gun to dip and shoot a mic. So as mad as I get at stuff like that, like you'll see me, I'll have, we call it a two minute drill. Like I got two minutes to be pissed off and then you got to forget about it. Yep. Usually it works. Sometimes it doesn't, but <laughs> that caused me like, okay, I, what did I do wrong? Let's write it down. Let's analyze it. Let's make notes of it. And then let's build training around that. So I don't do that again. Right. Um, so I'm glad that happened because if not, it would have happened at a more important match. Just well, like DQing at nationals.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was my first nationals. And how about this? So great match, clean match for the most part, except stage two. So I remember the cross targets in the back, but you could see the middle targets what an yeah. idiot. So I shot the same target twice and had two FTEs, right? And then they stuck me on that stage for the next three days or two days to suffer. You're just
1: looking at it, yes! looking at it.
0: Suffer. I was like, yeah. I, I earned and I deserve this.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely remember meeting you though, because you were like super giddy and happy. So and I'm sad. over here like, I was in a bad mood. I was like, oh, I'm such an asshole.
0: <laughs> no, it's <so laughs> I think naive. after that, no, I, I tried to be
1: like, hey, like try to be nice. Like, sorry, I was a dick back there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I just think that's, that's how I am hundred percent
1: I work on that now because a lot of people don't know everyone has a different mental process from like most most people see someone get serious before they shoot like on deck or in the hole and they're getting their mental prep and they shoot but a lot of people don't realize most important one of the most important part of the mental game is once you finish shooting the next couple minutes of like post-stage analysis if you're writing it down or like regathering your thoughts and a lot of new shooters or spectators if they're there they'll leave you alone to the buildup but then they immediately as soon as you walk off the stage have something to say and a lot of people don't understand that and a lot of people i i see people get yelled at i see i personally am working on like way to i had it happen this weekend and this weekend was a shit show for me i ended up leaving the match and i i had a shooter who's a newer shooter and in the past i would have not snapped but been more short and i'm like how do i When I finish shooting and I'm coming off and I'm regathering my thoughts and I want to take note of something, like, and they're just excited to be able to shoot with me or whatever it may be. And they want to approach me and talk about what I did right or wrong. They don't know any different or ask me, Why'd you do this? And that's usually what it is. Hey, why did you shoot this this way? Why'd you? So it's like, How do I? I'm in a bad mood right now. Like, but I need to get over it. And how do I respond to them without. I don't. I have in the past, and anyone who says they haven't would be a liar. I have had that moment where I'm like, say something. And then that person, I realize they don't talk to you the rest of the match. Mm-hmm. And then I end up apologizing, Hey, just so you know, this is my process. And I apologize for snapping at you. Yeah. But that's so actually like, about can,
0: education on shooters though, or respect. Yeah. yeah about, like, Hey, give them their, know.
1: give them their, but I don't want to beat someone down to where they're afraid to approach. Like I want to be the most approachable person, but it's within a certain time. <laughs> So when he he came up to me and it was purely like I shot a target order different than everyone else had, but I also shot the stage five seconds faster. Yeah. And so that's like, oh, why did he do that? And that's why it was five seconds faster. Um, immediately wanted to ask that, and I just said, hey, I'm I'm on my I think I said I'm on my my post match analysis. Give me a minute, and I'll I'll talk to you in a second when I'm done writing this up. Nice. And I don't know why I said that, but it was like perfect. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I need to write that down. So when someone <laughs> when someone comes up to me every stage, I can be like, Hey, just give me a minute. Let me write my thoughts down and I'll tell you why I did that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the worst is when you bomb it and your, and your friends are immediately, especially with women. I feel like they do that. Like, just don't worry about it. Just, you know, I'm just like, get out of my face for a minute. I will be fine. But like you said, you need two minutes.
1: Let (laughs) me clear my thoughts, gather my thoughts, go kick an orphan baby.
0: (laughs) No. And I'm just like, no, I know that was not good. Don't, don't tell me that.
1: yeah yeah most people I shoot with a lot they and I do the same with them. It's like, hey, when someone finishes, I typically on reinforcement, I don't like negative energy, and when I talk to shooters, someone will dumpster a stage, I leave them alone, but I always I see me and them, and positive reinforcement's a big thing to me, so anytime I am analyzing a stage or a performance, I want to capitalize on what I've done right instead of ultra focusing on what I've done wrong yeah. So a lot of times with other shooters, people that train with me or shoot with me, they're like, man, you always have something so like good to say or nice to say, you know, someone might have a mic and instead of going up and being like, what happened? That's always the question. What happened there? Why did you have that mic? My thing was like, Hey man, that array, your cadence on that array array there and your rhythm was spot on. That was perfect. And it kind of throws people off because their mental focus is seeing mic, 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 or no shoot. No, you got to take the way little (laughs) wins. I always, I'm like, Hey, no. Like everyone has mics, everyone has penalties. That's part of the game. Why don't we, let's get our mental thought on like what we did right, really good on this stage so we can replicate it. Oh yeah. my Even I I fall victim to that.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I don't know why the bobber stage at that nationals was one of my top performances. I was like, cool. (laughs) The clusterfuck that I was like terrified of. And I just was like, I'm just going to send it. And I'm like, oh, why do I care about the others?
1: Yeah. Usually when you don't think is when you perform the best. Yeah. When you don't put value on stuff, you're just like, hey, I'm just gonna do this. I don't <laughs> care. Let's see what happens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So how did you get to that point too? Like, do you read? Do you meditate? Like what did you, um, you
1: found- So my the mental side of it for me and what pushed me into it, and I'm still working on it drastically today, actually. After this weekend, I'm having a reset mentally, but um, I kind of I was in the shooting sports and I realized that. It's not just how fast you can move and efficiency and movement. And that's where I feel like I'm good at and I wasn't the best shooter. But then once my shooting picked up, I made it to master really fast. And then I realized like, hey, this is the skill set from like a good A class to a GM. As far as draw speed, splits, transitions, there's not much difference. But the big difference is the mind on being able to do it on command, on repetition, over and over, doing it 10 times out of 10. Many shooters are capable to perform at that level but can they do it at will on demand and can they control their mind so that my first stuff was like with Lanny Basham, like with winning in mind, all his training, I've gone through all that stuff. I've read all his books, his son's book, uh, Steve Anderson, like all his stuff is refinement repetition. Yep. Gone into that. Um, Really the mindset. And I really tried to adopt like that mentality focus on the process. not the, not the outcome, Growth of self-image, trying to find like the triad state of the balance of conscious, subconscious, and self-image, and that stuff really intrigues me. So I spent a lot of time focusing on that. Keeping a performance journal, tracking everything, uh, really helps helps to keep me in check. And that's like any advice I can give to like new shooters. Like, hey, if you want to get to a certain level, you can develop skills quickly. But if you don't know how to utilize them, or your mind is distracting you from that, um, you're not going to succeed. And a lot of people plateau on that point because I feel like from if we're talking class or placement, each step requires a different level of mental strength in some sort. And we're all different. We all process. I'm very envious. Like probably the one of the most mental uh, mindset people that I'm envious is a teammate. You know, him, is Chase Rain. So Chase, like him and I are very similar and we're like best of friends, but him and I are very different in mentality wise. And Chase, like he doesn't allow anything to like red alert or to, to come up. Like it, it's frustrating because when we take stuff serious to him, he's like, all right, let's go. Yeah. And he just shoots and he does good. And I'm like, what the mm-hmm. f***? like, how did like, come on, dude. But it's a, it's a different, it's a different personality trait and neither one's right or wrong. Yeah. But usually like on my side of my personality, very high, strong, very. Um, I take things really serious. I, have a high expectation of performance, and I put a lot of pressure on myself, and then when I shoot with other people who don't man, I envy that I envy that so much and it, yeah. a lot of it's a skill set thing like like I can go on top grandmaster level skill set just as good as the top guy, but if I can't perform that way and that's that's actually my one of my biggest struggles is is keeping reined in and one of the hardest things and where i'm at like to be open about it right now with my mental i said i I'm taking a step back is the more exposure we have, like life experiences, match and shooting, the more we learn about, the more things are pushed at us. Now, majority of people like find ways to scapegoat around it or find an easy fix. And one of the biggest holes that I've had in my shooting is, I know my skill sets there. Every match I go to, I have the ability to win my division, 100% of the time. And my competitors know that because they will text me, hey, I'm watching your scores, You're, you might beat me. And I, and they know that. And I know that. Yeah. But the hardest thing about it is being able to mitigate and manage that pressure to actually perform and to be able to go out there and just do that. What I hadn't experienced until this past weekend was, was a new outside pressure of, of life affecting performance. Oh yeah. And i I'm typically very good at, I live a hectic lifestyle. I do a lot of things, but I'm a very much in control Yeah. When something from the outside out of control comes in, how do you process? How do you handle that? And how do you stay focused? And I, until this past weekend, I never had that happen. And it happened to the point where the first time ever I had a DNF, I literally shot four or five stages and I had to be a bigger man, which a lot of people, I got texts like, Hey man, I respect you for leaving a match. Like most people won't just gut up and say, you know what? I can't stay here. I need to leave. And I literally did that at a match. I had some other stuff going on life stuff and it had like creeped in into my shooting to where the point where, I mean, I think I had in like five stages, I had like two procedurals. I think I had like 11 mics, which I don't do, which is not, I ran past the target. Like my mind was so much elsewhere and so much distracted where it became almost like a hazard. Like It was a bad, situation and i had to stop and be like i can't do this it's not fair to my squad mates it's wasting my time and i'm going down a deep hole and it wasn't a like we've all had dumpster fires it wasn't a dumpster fire situation it was a mental psychology based situation i had an experience at a match yeah but like other stuff i'm glad i experienced it i experienced it for a reason it was meant to happen Mm -hmm. and so now it has me like intrigued on to back into mental management okay this happened Because I expose myself to a lot, I need to be stronger because this could happen at a world shoot. And I'm glad it happened here at a level two, because now I'm going to learn the tools to manage this and maintain mental focus to be able to perform. So I'm diving much deeper back into a lot of the mental management, the mental coaching side of things to look for a tool within that. Because anytime you read something, you could read it 10 times and every time get a different it's based on where you're at in life yep yeah so i'm like all right i'm going back through i'm going through all this again because i know there's an answer within that that can help me to stay on track get back on track and do the task at hand and yeah. alleviate pressure yeah my I'm... biggest Oh, go ahead. go ahead i was just Pressured gonna say, you spend all man. that
0: money you spend all that money and time to an effort that you don't want it to happen somewhere else like like worlds or nationals or anything
1: yeah well and my biggest um I don't I had a discussion with an employee about this day about sponsorship um, and my personal like biggest struggle that I'm I'm going with now like when I made GM I felt like a weight and most people are excited to make GM They're like oh I made GM but there's a reason a lot of people sandbag and it's not because they want to win their class it's because the fear of failure above them. Yeah. Once you make master, you can't lose to A class or B class. Well, really no one cares, but in their subconscious, if they're a competitive individual, that can bother them. Mm-hmm. When I made GM, my performance actually dipped a little bit because I felt like a sudden random weight of, oh, I'm a grandmaster. I'm expected to do well. To perform. So performance expectations is like a really big struggle. Um, once I made like team Atlas, once I became on the pro team, once I became the team captain, <laughs> once I put on the jerseys, Microsoft Pro Team, once I'm the face of a couple companies and it just piles and piles and piles. Yeah. There's individuals that obviously handle it amazing. We talk like J.J. Cause and Max Michelle, but understanding if you're a shooter listening to this, those guys have been doing it for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have all the big sponsorships and everything in the beginning. They developed skill over a decade, yeah. national champ, world champ. They got there. Now Max was SIG. Like he is refined, his mental process is refined and he's locked in. JJ, locked in. A lot of these guys are locked in. When I look at myself on the sponsorship side, like I would tell most people, master your skill set and your mind and focus on that if you're financially able to before right. you take sponsors. If you're the type of individual that allows certain pressures and takes on expectation. Cause for me, uh, I have to remind people, like, I'm only three years into this sport. Yeah. You know, I'm at a grandmaster level. I'm supposed to, based on my skill set and what I've done before, be placing at the top. Sure. But at the same point, I also acknowledge there's guys that are at the top with me have been doing it for 10, 20 years.
0: And that's our job that they do every day. I've, and you've got, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I try to cut myself that slack. Yeah. But it's an exposure thing too, is, the expectation of performance and whether it's there or not. Cause like Atlas, I mean, they'll flat out tell me, Hey, we don't care. Like what, just do your job, do what you're going to do. Your performance is your performance. Like don't allow that added pressure. They say that, but to me, I take that on as like, Oh, I need to uphold something. Yeah. It's a subconscious thing in your weakest moment, I guess. Yep. Uh, but that's a big struggle and anyone who looks into sponsorship. They need to consider that. Like yeah. if you do your job, right. And you care, about the companies you are going to build some type of performance expectation and that's going to add pressure yeah if you can't handle that pressure and you crack like i cracked this weekend and it wasn't anything to do with sponsorship or anything but there's there's stuff piling on and eventually you're gonna uh, another little life thing's gonna come up and it's all gonna crumble
0: yeah so i mean all of my sponsors say the exact same thing, right? Oh, just have fun. You're great. You do marketing. You talk to people, you let people borrow. I do all yeah. this. Yeah. Here's the only difference between you and me. It definitely is going to be the female body parts. No, but I have expectations of not being a gun bunny and actually being taken seriously as like, I actually yeah. care about competing. I actually don't want to be like, though she's just another female. Like, Oh, she can beat me, which I have beaten people that yeah. are.
1: you want to be respected for your skills.
0: Yes. Not just not your
1: gender, not appearance, not yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely a, that's a psychological, like it adds the pressure of performance. The best thing is like, I just want to like go compete, have fun and not care what anybody thinks. We say that, but <laughs> deep down when we get there, it's like, Ooh, uh, huh. it's not, it's not that, it's not that, that easy. Um, yeah, so. it's all mental management and that's, I mean, that's kind of my thing with my mindset. I've done good to this point. I've had ups and downs, ups and downs. Right now, I'm actually on a little bit of a down and I'm trying to find my way back up and Mm -hmm. I'm reevaluating things. I know it's a bad time because it's not the off season and I have a major this weekend and I canceled it. I was supposed to be in San Francisco for four days and I just like, I've already paid for everything and I'm like, yeah, not going. And I was like, what do you mean you're not going? like sponsorships of like, you know what, I'm not going because right now in my mind, it's not the best, it's not the best thing for me. And that's hard for me to do because my entire shooting career, this has been a problem. And I've always just kind of like pushed it aside. And what I'm realizing is when you're beginning and you're, I hate using classes, but C class, B class, A, whatever you are, if you're placing below like 80 percentile or no one really, the, the higher you get, the more pressure performance starts to build. The, when you truly have, we all think we can win. But when you get to the point of you're like, if I just do my job and perform, I can win this match. Mm-hmm. Like when, when, when you get to that level, it, things change a lot. Because when you look at practice score, people don't scroll to the bottom, mm-hmm. right? Unless they're looking for one of their friends. <laughs> they're looking at the top. And everything's exposed at the top. So when you get to the point of skill set where you have the ability to place at the top, yeah, like okay, this is the time i'm gonna I'm gonna place at the top. I'm gonna win this match. that's added it's added it's added pressure definitely, and that's a totally different level of uh management. yep, and I envy the guys that can just show up and not care wear a t-shirt, have no qualms about it and just nice. shoot their match. and that's what i'm that's what I'm really going for on the mindset thing is to really dial in. To focus on the process
0: mm-hmm.
1: and not care about placement, but purely care about shooting to the best of my ability. And I used to do that and I did that for a long time. But as my skill set adjusts, the mindset has to adjust. And unfortunately, I had my mindset locked in as like an A class, but mm-hmm. I don't have it locked in as a grandmaster. So I can have grandmaster skills and the ability to win. But if my mind doesn't, yeah. I'm not going to win. No and chance. That- yeah that's what I'm realizing now. So I'm like, yeah, hey, I'll take all this time and money that I was putting into travels and everything. And I'm just putting it back into fixing, fixing my mind. Cause one level two, one level three, doesn't matter as much as like nationals right. or an international match. So
0: yeah. Oh gosh. Kind yeah. Of the
1: process right now.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Um, it was kind of a fun question. I just ask everyone cause I want to know, um, is there like one piece of gear or one tool that you just can't go anywhere without that's like you just love? And it can't be a gun because <laughs> a gun's a tool. Uh, like, oh,
1: that's, that's easy. <laughs> um, Like, can't go without, like, can't miss a practice session. Well, can't miss a.
0: Maybe something like it's either on your body every day or in your range bag, no matter what mash. It might be just like.
1: Yeah. Um, like my secret underwear. No, yeah,
0: there you go. Under <laughs> oh, the joints.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was always like a wedding ring. I'm not. This is bad, but. So, like, it started breaking and drying. You know, because I wear like the rubber ones, rubber? and with mm-hmm. CrossFit, so I end up taking it off a lot. But um, uh, I have to think about that one. I don't really know of a specific. Well, no, actually, I do know. It would be my performance journal. And what's weird is, is even though I don't write in it as much as I should, and that's kind of what all this mental stuff comes back to. It's when I look at analysis, like, hey, what changed? Yeah. well, I quit, I quit tracking as much as I used to track. That is something to where I like, I've gone to matches and pulled it from one bag to another. And it's like, it's a, I would say to me, that's like my, Um. that's like a comfort thing. Like that's, that's the safety blanket of like knowing like, Hey, if something happens, like I have that, I can look back or I can go right into it. Like that's like an outlet yeah. aside from like your cell phone and stuff you have like that to me, like if I forgot something else, um, timer or, or like grip something like, okay, I can make do, but that's one that like would bother me. Like if it's not in that bag, it's mm-hmm. going to bother me. Yeah. So I would it's actually probably cheap,
0: say like an actual real dot notebook.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. okay. With a pen, like a hundred percent, like <laughs> I w- have a pen, I write in, take down notes and like, it's different. I, I tried the the method like with my phone and I was actually just on Saturday talking to a shooter and he goes hey man like you used to always write in your performance journal I haven't seen you writing it today like what, what's going hmm. on and it's like thanks for calling Called me out, out. Bro. <laughs> but, but what I was trying to do before is like what happens to me a lot is a lot of people approach me and talk to me whether it's super, especially Superville now with ammo so for me within a match my thoughts are very hard I'm very it's very hard for me to focus on competing because I get constant bombard of Atlas stuff or Superbell stuff or my social media or whatever it may be. And I found it hard to get my thoughts down quickly into a journal performance journal. So I started using my phone and I would use my notes section. I would literally, as I finished the stage, grab my phone, I would start talking into my notes. Hey, this, 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 and I was trying to record it, but it wasn't, it's not the same effect as physically stopping. That's the most important part. It's not what you're writing always. It's that you are making yourself write that down and you're imprinting what happened. So I actually just ordered two more new performance journals because my other one's about full, just so I'm like, Hey, I got to get back to doing that. I used to do that and I had success. So that's the, that's the one thing I won't go without, even if I write in it or not, it's always there.
0: (laughs) I like it. Um, One thing I was told, yeah, as winners are trackers. And at the end of the year, I send an email to all my sponsors. You're like, holy crap, you kept track of this, this. I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's what I did all year. Excited.
1: You got to log your stuff, track your stuff. You can't expect to replicate if you don't remember what you did, Yeah. whether it's good. And most people replicate bad stuff because they never (laughs) acknowledge that they were doing it and write it down. Then they forget. They shoot a match once a month. They make the same habits over and over. As to where if they make mental acknowledgement of putting it down, your mind remembers more when you physically, like when you say something, that's one thing, but physically yeah. writing something and reading something and imprints in the brain and it just seems more effective. But cool. track everything, gear, usage, ammo, how many rounds are on each gun, maintenance yeah. intervals, everything. everything's tracked where if you like any of the guns, hey, what does that have on it? What's in it? Yeah. When's the last time? The sport's about a lot about maintenance I mean you see guys go to a match and they fail chrono or they have a gun a spring go or they have something break and they don't have backups then you ask them when's the last time you checked your extractor when's the last time and they don't know so that's like you're just setting yourself up for failure in that extent so if you don't have a backup gun you better have every part for that yeah. gun that's Ready to go. The wearable part. Your your line this.
0: to me was: in order to become a grandmaster uh, single oh, stack, yeah. you must become a grandmaster gunsmith.
1: Hundred <laughs> percent. So true. So if you shoot single stack, <laughs> if you shoot single stack, and you learned that when you went to shoot single stack, if you you have to like, and it builds a lot of patience because like when you're oh, used yeah. to shit breaking and <laughs> you're used to fixing it on the fly, yeah, um, yeah, your skill set in 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 Being a uh, gunsmith develops as well. And it's funny because once you learn to dial it in and figure out how single stack, doesn't matter. the manufacture, like they're picky. Like the certain, the magazines have to be tuned a specific way for that gun. The ammo has to be a certain length, certain type bullets don't work. The ramp angle, like there's so many variables to it. That's why a lot of people I think hate the division is because it's not fun when you're clearing jams. Once you dial it in, like for that two years in single stack, I spent the first like three months trying to master my load to my springs to my gun. Once I dialed it in and I had my mags dialed in, I didn't have a single hiccup at a major match. Like I ran flawlessly for two seasons with single stacks. And but to get to that point, (laughs) I had to figure out how and I'm a tinkering person. So, yeah, a lot of people aren't and single stacks not for them because. You got to know how to troubleshoot. You got to know how stuff works.
0: Oh, I have so much fun tinkering. I am not on that level, but the, the, the rifle armorer's course I took, like, you don't understand. I gopro myself, like putting it all together to <laughs> the apart. It was addicting. <laughs> yeah. And it's um,
1: relaxing too. Fixing yeah. stuff is like a good form of meditation and clearing the mind, like cleaning guns. Don't have to think about was like, you anything.
0: Clean,
1: clean your guns so much. I'm like, yeah, because that's like my quiet time to just decompress and it works it's it's uh good for the health
0: <laughs> it is <laughs> so as we wrap up here um is there any final nuggets you want to leave people with or any advice for for new shooters out there
1: uh, i think if for new shooters is just uh, don't take it too serious and try to try to base your foundation on what is your goal with the sport and having fun if you don't have fun You're most likely not going to stay in it because it's not a cheap sport and it's not an easy sport, but it's definitely a fun sport if you allow it to be. And progress and skill can be uh, made a lot quicker if you don't take it so serious. I'm like telling myself that too. (laughs) (laughs) But also, but also new shooters, that that would be my thing is is don't take it too serious. Have fun. Enjoy every aspect of the climb. Don't overthink. You need to become the top guy because every whether it's class or match, whatever, everything has a lesson to be taught. And everyone has to learn those lessons. If you talk to top shooters, they've all learned those lessons one way or another. And it's based on the experiences having happened. And I can <laughs> attest to that because I'm still learning <laughs> very hard lessons, but that's what it takes. No one just becomes a world champion overnight. It's a, it's a long road. So and focus on the journey, not the summit. Cause typically when you get to the summit, it's like, okay, I'm here now. What? Yeah. The, the fun is in the process of getting there so focus on the process is pretty much the best advice that I could give anyone love that's it. my that's my nugget I love that's my it nugget <laughs> and don't email me for a sponsorship no, I'm kidding
0: <laughs> right <laughs> that's another one
1: I get hundreds of those emails I'm sure and I save them I save them and we'll get there in time but
0: Right, right. Oh, oh, okay. The last one I did want to ask you. Um, so you've probably taken a lot of classes, read a lot of books, all of that. Is there one out there that just stands out to you that you would recommend people to to take or to read?
1: Um, depends on your level. If I can a book that everyone should read no matter their level, and they should read it consistently. I have it on a three-month loop for me. I've read this book over a hundred times and <laughs> I'm still learning every time I read it is with me was With Winning in Mind from Lanny Basham. So that should that's a book, no matter where you're at within the sport, the sooner you read it, the better off you're going to be. Yep. Um, as far as classes go, it's been a little bit different because I've only taken one class. Okay. And that was with JJ. Now, that does not mean that I haven't been, that was the only like real formal class I've taken, but I've been privileged to shoot with, all these other instructors I've practiced. So we'll say that there's, we'll just say like between Max and, and like Tim and uh, Charlie Perez, like there's some amazing instructors. What I can say about instructors is like, everybody um, communicates differently. Everybody gels differently. Everybody um, learns differently. Um, so finding an instructor that best speaks your language that you're going to retain the most from is the most important part. So doing research and watching like within YouTube, there's enough out there say, Hey, what this guy says resonates. You can have four people saying the same thing. And most of them are saying very similar things, but for some reason, certain resonate more. So for me, that's always been JJ. I know. Yeah. I've taken his class, but what he said, as far as the biggest difference in my shooting ability and my growth, in the sport, I will a hundred percent attest to JJ. And that's purely because like when i say my journey to like GM um, from master class, I, that's, I spent my most time in master class and I went and trained with JJ a week before I met you at nationals. And that was a bad idea because he had my brain turned upside down and right. he told me, Hey man, don't work on any of this till after nationals. <laughs> I'm like, I got this. And I, because everything picked apart, but the principles that I learned in that and from JJ is what made me a grandmaster quickly. Um, but everyone has different principles and what he teaches fulfilled the biggest hole in my shooting. And so to me, a JJ class, his class is not for entry level though. It's definitely not a beginner. I mean, if you, if he gets you into one and you're a beginner, you're not going to learn as much as if you're a little bit more advanced. Um, starting out so some of the literature and some of the other instructors like all the ben stoger ben steger books are amazing his mental game is much different than lanny basham teaches or than steve anderson teaches like i said not everyone's the same so that's a person you can connect to on a different level there's movement coaches keita bussy will teach movement stuff so there's really instructing like if you're new to shooting don't spend money on guns and gear and all this stuff Like get. You could do it with a, a stock block and you can go very far. Yeah. You can do a lot more with trainings, investing your money into like training, literature, and just ammo to practice and train. Like that's the biggest thing if I could go back, because I was like, I want to be self-taught. And I did that pretty far. But yeah. I Here's skipped a lot of lessons that now I have to go back and redo yeah. because I blew past them. So yeah. Um yeah, I would For my top favorite instructor that I've been personally instructed by, I would say JJ Arcaza. Some that I'm really looking forward to that intrigue me a lot is I want to dive more in depth with Max Michelle, and I hope to be able to do that. I've never taken a class from Ben Steger, and Ben intrigues the hell out of me because he's the opposite of me as far as mentality, but it has me really curious. Yeah, and so I really want to get with him and like Joel Park and some of those guys. Like they really um, intrigue me. So, cool. I want to get into that stuff too. And then more mental management coaching is my goal. So. Awesome.
0: So if you're listening or no, watching
1: this, no reason to not.
0: <laughs> all right. I'm just going to say like so many people think, oh, they're at the top. They don't need to learn anymore. They don't take classes. Hey, the best of the best are still learning, still growing and still getting educated. So
1: absolutely. And the, the cool thing about the sport is everyone seems to um, be open to knowledge. Like there's some secrets like, oh, don't, There's some things that like you have to put in your time to learn as a shooter, but there most of these top guys take classes as well. So a lot of the, a lot of these um, top shooters are going and taking like, like Mason Lane is another one that I really want to be instructed by. So these guys, like they're at the top, but they're all collaborating with each other and with other instructors and they're constant learning. Because if you look at the top and I'm not there yet, but if you look at the top, like in nationals, every year there's four or five guys that flip flop Mm -hmm. every year on who wins and who wins. And they, so that just goes to show that it's not like one dude other than Max Michelle dominating a division or like Eric Rafael wins, whatever he does, but most of the divisions within the first 10 shooters, they can be shuffled in any year. One of them can win, but every year it it changes. And that just shows like people are constantly learning, constantly developing, constantly becoming better. Um, And you'll hear some of them say, if you're listening to their podcast or you take their classes, like there's dudes that have become national champions and will tell you like, I'd already won three national titles and I learned this and now I'm better because, and it's like, wait a minute, like (laughs) you became a national champion without knowing the stuff you're teaching me right now. Absolutely. So knowledge is. It is. It is.
0: Um, Okay. So how do people find you on social media since you change your usernames?
1: (laughs) I might change it again. now. Um, so the easiest way to find me is just at Mike, the letter D and then Stoker, S-T-O-K-E-R. Uh, that's on Instagram, on Facebook. It's the same if you search that or Mike Stoker competitive shooter. I spend most of my time on Instagram. I auto post stuff to Facebook. I still respond on Facebook. Um, YouTube, I have a channel. I'm not ultra active on there. I don't post too much on there. I might start doing more, but for the most part, uh, Instagram and Facebook is, is kind of where where I spend the time and how to reach out. And I respond to everything. So send me a DM. If you have any questions, I'll answer it. If I'm at a match, don't be afraid to approach me. Even if I look like I'm mad, you can still talk to me.
0: Not three minutes before he shoots, not two minutes after he shoots when the journal closes. <laughs> I, I know now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, well, I'm pretty I'm pretty open with, like, I'm very easy to read.
0: Yeah. So yeah. if you
1: see me smiling, joking, that's a good time to talk to me. If you see me quiet, because <laughs> I talk, a- if you see me quiet, just wait until I open up and then talk to me. Yes. And that's wow. with every shooter mostly. Yeah. I was I'm also very respectable of them. So
0: <laughs> any shout outs you want to give to sponsors or gear or anything like that?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, my main rundown right now on sponsors on who supports me, yeah, Superval Ammunition, mm-hmm. obviously, obviously upside the, the upside down box, uh, the best of the best. Um, definitely Supervel, uh, Atlas Gunworks, a big one for me. Some of the other gear stuff that I, that I love in companies, I stand behind, uh, priority one holsters makes an amazing holster ATR targets as well. Uh, CrossFit psyched is the gym. So if you're in the Vegas Henderson area, anytime you want to come and work out and try CrossFit, I'll get you in there for free for a workout. Um, one of the big ones for me right now that I'm diving more into with fitness is first form. So I'm technically a sponsored athlete with first form. Um, so first form, all the supplementation and stuff. So all those companies are do very good by me running gun apparel. There's a few, I don't want to miss awesome. any of them. No, I love it. But I like to work with companies that are like great people. Yeah. And I get that question a lot. They're like, man, why don't you go like to Atlas is huge. Super Bowl are making it big. Like some of the whole, some of the gear, they're like, why don't you go over here to this big? I don't need to. Like personally, I can afford whatever I want to buy. So I want to work with companies that I love, the people that work there, that I can take care of them. They can take care of me. So those are all great companies that I've been with for quite some time and they do a lot for the sport. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Mike, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, not (laughs) a problem at all. I'm sure we can do this again and get. I could talk for hours on any subject. So.
0: I love it. Six months from now, you know, when you're GM and limited, right? Or sooner. We'll, we'll I recap. Take,
1: I won't take that long, but yeah. I just need, I just need, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't shoot classifiers that much anymore. I just need a, cause I don't shoot locals as much, but I need a major match, match with X amount of GM so I can match them. But I haven't had that yet. Yeah. yeah, cool. We'll get it.
0: <laughs> we'll get it. Well, thanks for listening. If you're on what uh, watching this on YouTube or uh, following where your podcast, we're at Radical Up online. So thanks again. Thanks for listening to the Redical Up podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Follow along on social media at Redical Up or Three Gun Kenzie.